Queer Alien Blast. Today we are recapping episode 210 and this week our beloved Mick was unavailable to join us so we are joined by Shauna. Uh, you may know her as some Mad Lunge on Tumblr and Twitter and she's also uh, an articles editor at Not That Complicated and we're super excited that she's here. Say hi to everyone Shauna. Hi everyone thank you for having me. I'm sorry that I'm not Mick but I will do my best. All right, so we are going to start the episode talking about um, all of the stuff surrounding Liz, uh, starting with Arturo getting arrested in the hospital, which I, that was an intense moment for me just because it's something that happens all the time and it's something that happens a lot here. And I, I know people who won't go to the hospital when they need to because they're afraid of themselves or, or a family member um, getting identified as undocumented. You would think that the hospital would be some sort of, like, safe haven? Like, I mean, obviously that's not how it works here, but you would think that that would be the one place where you could go and get care or visit people or be able to exist in that space without having to worry about your status. You know, that's it's that was really hard. That was hard to watch. I mean, it was so sad. As a Canadian, that was just, honestly, just I the whole thing. I was like, this does this really happen to people? Like, um, yeah, I was really... Uh, surprised by it so it made me sad yeah I mean it is a thing that happens um I have a friend whose parents are undocumented and they had and we talked about this in a minute they had a plan for what would happen if they ever got caught um and so uh, um Janine really did a great job I think with those scenes where she's kind of panicking but trying to hold it together and the thing about his coat and him being cold just broke my heart oh god yeah no I mean just tears I mean just because imagine having to be a kid and having to know that plan, you know, like knowing your whole life that it could happen at any point, depending, especially like, I mean, literally at any time, but also depending on who's president or what's going on politically, you know, in some years it's less of a focus and in some years, especially like right now, it's, you know, for and, until the coronavirus was like all this country really focused on um, since Trump was elected. So I just, that had that sort of heightened fear i i mean i can't i can't even fathom what that must be like um especially because arturo tries so i mean he's he's such a thriving business and such a great family man not that it matters who you are really but um just i mean he's he wants to be here and it's and he's doing such a wonderful thing for his community and so moving on to what was one of the best parts of the episode for me um cam and liz who are in love this is the thing and full on yeah absolutely <laughs> this, is, this is probably the healthiest relationship on the entire show it's those two and it like rearranged this in this one episode rearranged all of my ships for liz because it always like for me was like kyle and then i was like okay i i recognize that jenna you know they have something or whatever and then this episode was like okay so jenna's the love of her life and then diego and then kyle and then max <laughs> like that's the level like 
Best line of the night was when Jenna said, Aside from debilitating migraines, keeping me bedridden, I'm super. Max thinks that because of the burns, it's maybe an alien thing. Max thinks. So typical of a dude to make my abduction all about him. I like, it's like, that's like Max in a sentence. So I enjoyed that very much. Um, yeah, I'm glad she's back and I hope she... Just make her a series regular. I mean, how many... You got, like, 17 of them. What's one more? Every episode she's been in so far this season, she's done such a great job. We'll, we'll ignore the, the weird when she was abducted thing. But other than that, like, she's just made every scene better. Um, she's literally only been in scenes with Liz. I don't know what queer woman planned that, but thank you. We appreciate it. I just loved how she was ready to just drop everything that was that she was dealing with to help Liz in that moment because she could and because she wanted to. And then just like, I mean, imagine who else would you put yourself in that much like physical discomfort to go help? I mean, obviously friends, but like that was a lot. Like, I feel like that's what you do for someone you're in love with, but whatever. It's caffeine. Are they out of Reposado? It's going to make you feel better. Mm, yeah. I asked them to run a new test. Mm. Your headaches are spinal headaches. Because there was a hole torn into your spine. I'm sorry, what? Uh, my kidnappers gave me a spinal tap? You mind signing off so I can look at your talk screen? Yeah, of course, but Liz, you, you don't have to do this, okay? Your dad and... I need a distraction. I can't leave for El Paso until tomorrow, and they're not letting him have visitors other than his lawyer until Tuesday. Thank you for being here. No, you, you used your privilege to help me. I'm furious that I needed it, but I needed it. Anytime. And see what happens when you have two strong, intelligent characters that are female working together and not fighting with each other. Look what they can accomplish. It's amazing. Wow. Female, Groundbreaking. Female friendship is, you know, it's look what it can do if you just give it some time. All right. So let's move on real quick. We're going to talk about Jenna and Liz in the detention center. Um, and we find out that Liz can't sponsor Arturo because she got arrested for that vandalism thing that Rosa did, which I'm sure is going to come up at some point to make Rosa feel bad. But that broke yeah, my heart. That's, I'm sure it's going to be like one other layer of of guilt that if they have Rosa like confront her addiction again, even if it's not this season or something, even if that continues next season, I'm sure that'll be one way, you know, you know, that could tempt her into to using again. So we found out at the end of the episode that uh, Jenna had been given some kind of drug that is a mind eraser and has been weaponized by the military. Um, and... I thought it was not odd, I guess, but you know that Liz's first phone call was to Alex, even though it didn't go through. Um, but the mind eraser drug is interesting. I'm glad that it's not necessarily something alien; that it, that it's something human that's causing them to to black out like this. I was wondering if that's going to tie back to Mimi's issues because I know they tie it all to you know their illness or whatever. But how many times has she been abducted and experimented on? And the question is, is it the side effect of this drug that they don't really know anything about, right? So that was my first thought, because um, we don't know what the after effects of that is going to be. In the imagery of giving a woman a memory eraser drug, you know, that's, 
I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> like, why, you know, if that is something to do with Mimi and it's something to do with Jenna, like, it's just, it's, that's, that's so creepy. Um, just the connotations behind it, no matter what it is, is that that's, you know, because then it's becomes about sort of body autonomy and what happened, all of that. And it's the, the sort of the, the, the possible like sexual component to it or, you know, I don't It's, it's, it's getting interesting at least because if for a while, for so many episodes, it's just been like, I don't know, dragging. I don't really know what's happening. So I'm hoping that this is going to kick things into gear before it ends for the season. Let's talk um, about Liz and Diego and how Diego is a whole ass man. I saw him and my immediate response was, that is a man. Um, their chemistry is amazing. I loved him. I want to see more of him. Yeah, that's it. Like, I'm just, I'm intrigued by him. I, 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 I want to know why you, on earth you would leave that man. Like, how can you, how can you have a relationship and be engaged to that man and not feel a connection? Because I just saw him through a screen and felt a connection. I'm sorry, I'm going to edit this out. But the insinuation that Max is better in bed than Diego. Oh my god, don't, nope. I'm so mad about that. I can't. Just because he cries after he comes, Liz, does not make <laughs> Max better. Oh my god. Than Seriously? Diego at sex. Oh my, the, the, uh, the simple fact that he was like, you don't need me. And then her first, her first thing that she says to make him feel better about himself is you're better in the sack. Because... That's all that matters. I, and of course that's going to make him feel better because he's a fucking basic white man. Like, it's just, uh, anyway. Like, that whole scene was just a Max pity party. And I, like, I don't feel bad for him. Like, she, he wasn't available to help her in her time of need. And so she went and found somebody who could help her, who could help her better than Max could. And then he's, like, he's mad about it. Or, or just differently. But also, this is the second time in this one episode where two women have come to him with a problem and he's made it about himself. Two! Two times. So, I don't care. Yes, it sucks that you weren't able to be there for Liz. I mean, of course, you want to be there for your loved ones. But, like, what matters is that it was taken care of. It doesn't matter that he didn't do it. It didn't, you know, it doesn't matter. It matters that Arturo's okay for right now. So, maybe don't make it about your wounded pride. Like, I don't care. I literally started clapping when he was like, you don't, you didn't need me. And she's like, that's a good thing. Like, yeah, Max, you're not oxygen. Nobody needs you. Uh, you are in love with a strong, independent woman who can figure it out. She's with you because she wants to be with you, not because she needs to be with you. Oh, it's like every past relationship. Suck it up, buttercup. Right. And that should mean something, right? Like that means, that means a whole lot more. I will say Diego and Max's chemistry. I'm not, I'm, I can't leave it alone. I'm sorry. Um, it was there. It was palpable. I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, the, there was a, a Tumblr blog who like made a meme about it. And I was like, felt a kinship. I was like, okay, because the way he looks at Diego and then later on, he's like, he's so handsome. And like, you know, he's like listing off his accomplishments. I'm like, okay. A, you remembered all that. And B, like, you stared at him like you wanted to eat him like ice cream. So, like, maybe all three of them are bisexual. <laughs> maybe we discounted Max way early. You know what? If Karina, if Karina wants to have that poly rep in the show so bad, let's do Diego, Max, and Liz. And Jenna. Hey, you know what? After the episode that cannot be named, just do it. Just go for it. Who cares anymore? 
I mean, might as well. And so I'm just, I'm calling it now. There was an instant chemistry between Diego and Max, and I want all the fic. So let's talk about the pod squad and all of their really good, interesting scenes. Um, first of all, we have to address the fact that Isabel, for some reason, thought Michael was a top. Have you ever met Michael Guerin? Have you ever talked to him? Have you ever looked at him? Have you ever interacted with him? He's a bottom. I, yeah, I don't know where she got that from. But then again, I mean, maybe you don't want to think about your brother that way, I guess. Well, I mean, she clearly thought of him as a top. Like, she's thought of it in some way. She just thought of the wrong one. I mean, you can have that thought and then move on and still know them. Like, I mean. At least she acknowledged, like, yeah, I was wrong. And it makes way more sense. She probably thinks Max is a top, too. It's because she's a top. Anyway. Right. She thinks they're, She thinks everyone's tops. No, Isabel, you're one. They're both bottoms. Oh, yeah, Isabel. Well, yeah, she's like, they're my brothers. No. We're all tops. No. No, ma'am. Not one man on this show is a top, so it's fine. Except Alex, I guess. Let's get back on our Max's trash bandwagon and talk about his horrible, horrific, terrible, no good reaction to Isabel's abortion. He made it all about himself and then got mad at her over it. Good job for just listening and offering support. Oh, wait, no, Michael did that. You threw a big man baby pity party and got angry and had to walk away. So... Okay, Isabel clearly, I mean, she's worked through a lot of it. It's not necessarily that she needed him to give her physical comfort or help her, but I think she needed something more than, I'm so angry, I have to walk away. Like, I don't, like, that's insane. I just think it's insane. What's insane to me is she found out that her husband was her, who he really was, Noah, and then her brother dies. And she's dealing with all of that and an unwanted pregnancy and she's trying to get you back to life. But of course, she should have been thinking about how Max would react to her aborting her demon child. Like I, I, I don't understand Max at all. Is literally Max's character... Like, what is the point of Max's character? I need someone to explain it to me right now. I get his anger and I get, you know, wanting, feeling, feeling protective um, over her. Like, I get that. But I think... He, instead of doing it a different, like, later on, instead of reacting, like, just listening at that moment and then later on saying, this made me so angry, whatever. It's that he doesn't think. He just reacts right then. I mean, he just says whatever he, you know, it's all about him in that moment. Well, it's, it's because when he, I find that when he gets angry and upset at something that he thinks is his failing, he then takes it out on that person. So he feels like he should have been able to protect Isabel and he wasn't. So then he yells at Isabel. Because he wasn't able to protect her and runs away. And then Michael becomes the best brother ever. Or his fear, I think with, with Max, it's when he's afraid or uncomfortable or unsure, his first reaction is to raise his voice. And his first reaction is to make it this like really emotional thing. When sometimes that's not needed and, and it comes across as aggressive. Um you know, sometimes I, I truly think he just does not think before he leaps or he, you know, or, or talks. And he's very just, instinctual in his reactions. Right. Which sometimes probably works when it when it comes to like being a cop, maybe some of it is sort of instinct. Um, but also, but like just being like a brother or a boyfriend or, you know, you have to be a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah, I think aggression is probably the perfect word for Max. 
All right. So let's talk about the good brother, the good, supportive, kind brother, and that really great scene between Michael and Isabel and that iconic baby gravy line. No, it wasn't your only chance. We could do the turkey baster thing. Whatever. You know? Sorry, um... I'm gonna need you to say more words. If you want a kid, I will raise the White Walker. I will play the pink guitar. Okay, stop. Are you telling me that you would donate your alien baby gravy? I'm saying that I want a family. So if you want to be a mom someday, and you need an alien dad, Look, I know you would rather have white picket fence and a, and a golden retriever and a husband, but you're... You would be an incredible father. Have I told you lately that I love you? You had never said baby gravy. <laughs> uh, I cringed. It was cute, but I cringed. Yes, it was adorable, but I'm glad. I'm glad Michael was like, oh, "I wish you hadn't said that. That wasn't great." Um, I would like to state it here, here and now. I don't want to see a Michael and Isabel baby. Let's just leave that at the talk. Let's leave that at Michael offering because he's a good brother. Let's not ever think that that's a viable narrative choice because no. Let's not do it. But that was, I mean, really, though, that was that was a great scene between them. I did like Michael admitting that he wants a family, though. I, I thought that was nice. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And that's sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Because, of course, you know, I can see he's going to be a great dad, just like Isabel said. Um, but I do would I don't want it to be with Isabel. Totally. Side note, Isabel looked amazing this episode. I totally know that they styled her so that she would look a lot like Louise, her mother. But she looked gorgeous. And then the whole episode could have just been her standing with the sun behind her and I would have watched it. She looked amazing. No, that was a really beautiful scene between the two of them. And, you know, her just even just saying, like, I love you. Like, in this sweet, kind moment. And it was really sweet. That was really sweet. He needs to hear that. He does. He does need to hear that. And, yeah, it was, it was really, really nice. I would love it. Sorry. I would love it if someone other than Isabel would say that at some point. <laughs> Like, I wish uh, I wish someone else would show him the same kindness and love him for who he is. Not that like Alex doesn't, and not even maybe that Maria doesn't. It's not even that. It's that or or Max or whoever. It's that we never. You know, I want to hear it. I want someone to say it to him and like give offer to him that as like you know saying the words. Don't you think though that it might be? And I'm not. This is who Michael is. Is that with Isabel? Michael's barbs and his walls that he puts up, like, she just has never acknowledged them and just walks right through them. Whereas with everybody else, even when he's with Maria or with Alex, there's always that, that bit of a wall there. So I could see the trepidation in, in, in saying that to him. Whereas with Isabel, she's going to do whatever the hell she wants whenever she wants. I still would like Michael to have that, but I, I get why in relation his other relationships, he doesn't get a lot of that. All right, so let's move on to... Um, them meeting Harrison, who knew Louise and Tripp back in the day, and he's dying. And so, of course, Isabel does her thing 
and we get to go into the dreamscape and meet young Harrison and we get a whole lot of uh, revelations about Max and Isabel the probably the most important one being that they are not siblings I like that they're not siblings actually because you know they have that weird connection for whatever reason um that I, you know, I don't know if Michael doesn't have it because he's dulled it with the damn, you know, acetone for so long or whatever the reason may be. Um, but I, I don't want it to change who they are to one another. Like, I don't want it to become this, like, barrier between them just because they found out that they're not siblings. Like, they've clearly been close their whole life because they are actually siblings, not in an alien biological way, but they were raised as siblings in the Evans household. So it doesn't. And then they thought of themselves as that. So I'm, I'm interested to see if that will affect how they are or if, if it will start affecting how Max treats Isabel or, or whatever. And it's supposedly with Max, it doesn't change how he says he feels about Michael. And then that's what I think we'll see. I think we'll see Max treating Isabel differently, not the other way around. I think Isabel's made it pretty clear that it doesn't change anything for her. Right, because they haven't thought Michael's been related to them. So, you know, they've realized that he's not related and it hasn't changed her, how she feels about Michael, so... Uh, so let's talk about Max for a, a minute here, because we have to. Um, you know, he's had these recurring dreams about being chained up, and now we've seen that Louise was protecting him for some reason, and Max thinks that he is possibly evil, which agreed. I don't think child Max was evil. Like, No, I'm talking about present day Max is evil. Oh, because after he's like been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now that I could see, because I still think... There has to be... What was the whole point of telling Rosa that he was evil? And all that drama. And, and you know, and if, if, if nothing came from it. So I can imagine present day, yes. Um, I'm excited to see who Louise was fighting. I think it's Noah. That's what makes sense to me. And they're going to find some way to, like, bring him back. Or do something. I don't really know how they, you know. But... Didn't, wasn't Noah talking about how he was a lesser class? So the question is, is, are they tied up in the ship? And is that why the ship crashed? Because they were fighting on the ship? Like, that's what I was trying to figure out. Um, or because they, supposedly their planet was dying and they escaped, right? So I wasn't sure, like, did this happen before they left their planet? Like, trying to figure out the timeline. Oh, God. Good luck with the timeline. <laughs> no idea. I'm pretty sure, like, who knows what year it is on the show anyway. Like, Not a clue. Um... Yeah, no, I just, um, I don't know. I feel like Noah would be too on the nose. So I kind of hope it's not Noah. Um, yeah, like maybe it's. But then we have just another new character, like. That we're not emotionally invested in. Maybe it's Steph. Maybe it's Steph. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would rather like us have some time to. I don't want another new character because, I mean, if it's something that's going to be revealed by the end of the season, then you only have three more episodes to make me care who it is. Like, if it's someone new, like, the whole point is not to just throw a random face at me. You know, if you're going to go with some sort of, you know, plot twist that's actually decent, you know, you would want it to be someone that we have been emotionally invested in, you know. I don't know. I guess logically it just doesn't make sense to me because if Noah got out of the pod and he was the one overloading every, overlording everybody... And Max was evil. Why didn't he take out Max at any point in time? He could have. Right? So it, it, that's what just doesn't make sense to me. Now he might have had... I mean, but Shauna, this show never makes sense. Potholes on Roswell? Um, yeah, I would just be disappointed because it, to me it feels like the easy choice. Like, oh, no, it was evil. 
Surprise. Let's talk briefly about the flashbacks. Um, I really want to know more about Tripp's relationship with Nora and Louise. I hope we get that in the next three episodes. Um, because I still don't buy that he somehow switched sides. Other than maybe he's just the the aberration of the family and he's a good man. I But I, I don't know. But I want to know more. Do you think... It, well, that's what's so interesting is like this idea that this family is so, in essence, racist. I mean, if you really want to put it that way. But... Um, you know, Tripp's family is is a, a Native man that he served with. Um, Jesse married a Native American woman. So it's it's very interesting to me how they have, like, these racist tendencies. And then, but then at the same time, the life they lead isn't like that. So it... Well, and someone who's, like, super pro-America may look at Native Americans differently than other races bigotry doesn't make any sense so trying to make sense of it you know you're just gonna you know you're just gonna tie yourself in a knot so I mean trying to understand how a racist bigot feels or or thinks it's not gonna work but it's clear that Trip was this huge influence in in Jesse's life um and then we don't really know what happened to Trip, do we that he's we know he's obviously he's passed away so obviously he lost him I mean they showed him as an old man so I presume uh, I presume he just died. Naturally. So no, it's just be interesting that how did um, Jesse change his ideals, or did Trip really keep them a secret the entire time? Because it doesn't feel like he did. So I don't know. Again, it's the, it's those plot holes of you see one thing and then you see something else, and you're like, who is this person? How did they become this? We do have one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, that we saw in the flashbacks with Harrison, where Louise talked about the devil coming for for them and obviously we're meant to ask who's the devil and i think that'll be interesting to play out i don't think that it's i don't think that it's a human after seeing the end of the episode i'm i'm thinking it's whoever attacked louise no yeah yeah, that's the same person yeah i mean that's that's that was my assumption that the whole episode i hope I'm, i'm probably wrong but well i saw some some speculation on tumblr that it was a that was harlan but uh harlan mains but I think it's whoever was attacking Max in the spaceship. Let's talk about um, Forlex for a second. I liked their scene uh, in the diner. I don't, I really don't still like them, but I still don't like them, but they're cute enough. I'm glad that my, that Alex has something kind of light ish. I'm telling you, I, 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 and I've said it now, like, Two episodes that it's I don't ship them necessarily but honestly I'm so tired of sad Alex that I like can understand and and can wave and be like y'all be happy from the back of their room like I'm never gonna be right up there cheering them on really because I don't want you know I want him to be with Michael obviously but they just keep feeding Alex so much misery that I hope that Forrest doesn't turn out to be evil and they make good music together and then eventually Alex realizes who he really loves but Forrest gives him some confidence like hey I support it for a limited amount of time I, I I don't dislike Forrest and I want Alex to be happy I just feel like Forrest's character is too on the nose I feel like Forrest is who Alex would have been had Alex grown up in a household like yes Forrest is Walmart Alex yes. yeah yeah 
And yes, exactly. So it just feels like Alex is dating himself. Um, Which maybe it has some sort of symbolic way is what he needs. Maybe like he needs. No, actually, that's a that's a very valid point because if he can learn to love Forrest, then he can learn to love himself. Boom. Um, And I mean, I mean, we really just got that moment so um, we could have (laughs) Michael. He didn't really so much look jealous as perplexed. Yeah, it was very. It was more like a hmm thing than a jealous thing. The best part of that whole scene is not even Michael looking at Forrest. It's fucking Isabel realizing that there's something going on with Alex and Forrest. She goes and then she looks at Michael and then she looks she does this like three times. She looks so confused. She's just looking around at everyone like there's a lot of queer male anxiety going on right now. This is not my thing. Um, I loved it. Cause because because Michael has no leg to stand on with jealousy after two oh six, after not that he can't jealousy is a normal human reaction, but it would be very false to me if it came out like overt jealousy because you have literally a girlfriend, like Alex isn't yours and yours alone. You've 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 said no about a hundred times this season. You don't then get to be like aggressively jealous when he tries to move on like that's not how not when you've moved on so in quotations okay but to be fair how many fics have we all read in any fandom where a guy's like i don't i don't have those feelings for him i i don't like him like that and then he sees him with somebody else and he has that oh oh moment and we all just die inside like i mean maybe yes but i don't want it to be like Showing all this jealousy and then going home to Maria and it never amounts to anything. Because then it's just like, okay, well, then you just, you know, then you just want to add another layer to Malik's, but you don't want to do anything with it. So, you know, there's a, there's, there's an area. All right. Let's talk about the other mains man in this episode. The long-awaited ri- arrival of Gregory Mains. Okay, but, like, Gregory is, like, the mains man of my dreams. And not simply because... He looks like he was carved out of stone, but also because he had the best interactions, I think, of the whole episode when he with uh, Michael when they were leaving Harrison's room. Greg, you mind taking me back to the trading post? I think I should check on Alex and Maria. I mean, seriously, Alex or Maria? Um, I didn't particularly love, I don't love jokes about the love triangle because it's so dear and, you know, near and dear to my heart and I'm super sensitive about it. I can't objectively realize that it actually was funny, but at the time I was like, you bastard. Um, but it is, you know, that was a really cute, um, inclusion. I'm terrified he's going to be evil. He, he gave that such amazing speech to Alex. I just wanted to say thank you before we go. I also feel like I should congratulate you on getting out. Of the Navy? Of the family. Getting out from under dad. You gotta break free of him, man. Do you feel free? I, uh, don't think I get to be free until you are, Alex. You're my brother. I wish that I would have stood up for you more. You know, I think he's actually getting a little bit better. It's like the stroke melted away the psycho from his brain or something. If you can forgive him, you should. Cast off the stone. Let me hate him for you. I owe you that much. You know, they say the drive from here to Roswell isn't that bad. 
good to know. And such an amazing moment that gave Alex some comfort and love. And if this show makes Gregory evil, I, I, it will break my heart. If they make him evil, then they're just adding more pain to Alex's life. And then I really will believe that the whole show, the whole purpose of the show is just to make Alex sad. Like, truly. The thing for me about Gregory that I found the most interesting is that to get away from all of it, he goes to where their mom grew up. And it kind of didn't really make sense. Like, we have no cell reception up here. Um, he All I saw him do was cut wood. Like, does the guy have a job? Like, what? what's his deal? It's one of those things that I just, even if they'd given us, like, one little scene of them as kids together, like a flashback scene, like, I don't know. We have to make all these assumptions about Alex's family. And so you don't know if any of them are ever genuine ever. Their history can be so interesting because we obviously know Flint's an asshole. Um, but we don't know what abuse the others went through. We don't know. And they were kids themselves. I mean, they, you know, they're going by a lot of, you know, what they were influenced by. So if he felt like he didn't do enough for Alex back then, maybe that's true. But he was also only a kid. Or, you know, under whatever manipulation Jesse was under. So I'm, I just, that's why I want him to be genuine. Because I want it to be someone who recognizes what Alex went through. And, and just says, you know, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you. And then that just be it. And then just build from there. It's like, what happens if the first person who apologizes about his abuse isn't, isn't real? Like, it, it isn't like an actual thing that he feels. That's going to be heartbreaking. Yeah, it's the first time he's had somebody uh, in his family even acknowledge it. Except for when Flint did say, what made you think I had a choice in those couple episodes back? But even then, um, it wasn't the same. Like, Yeah, that's not an apology. That's an ex- an excuse really briefly um that was a really cute scene between uh isabel and gregory and i just loved that she was kind of smiley and he was just kind of like an isabel fanboy i dug it i refuse until i know if he's evil or not because of what she's been through i refuse i have no opinion because i'm not shipping her with yet another evil man so if he turns out to be genuine my mind will go there All right, let's move on to Maria. Maria had that vision of her as a teenager apparently lashing out at her mom. Um, so I hope, despite what happened at the end of the episode, that she's going to revisit that. That would be a weird thing to not revisit. But I did like that scene with her kind of being the strong, independent business owner. I did, And I dug the pantsuit. Always. That's my favorite, my favorite part of Maria. Like... Is that just this badass, I mean, it's just so badass to own your own business, especially one that is like a, a restaurant's one thing, but a bar, I mean, it's such like a man's business in a lot of ways. And I just, I, that's my favorite thing about her. Uh, so let's talk about the My Luca scenes. Um, I don't really have a lot of opinions on it because I just don't like them. Um, the scene where she was kind of using Michael for sex kind of weirded me out. I like, she didn't want to talk, so she just, like, climbs his bones. I didn't like it, but... I feel like that's a pretty normal thing. I mean, you know, is that... Could be that... Could that be a symptom of something that affects them later on? Maybe. Um, but it's not like Michael hasn't done that a million times. It's not like, you know... I mean, um, I think, you know, 
probably happens when you're in a relationship. Sometimes, you know, that that's, that's your version of, di- of distracting yourself, of, you know, stress or all of that. So, I mean, you know, as a Malik shipper, I was just sitting there like, oh, I don't love it, but I get, I mean, I, I don't think I was as bothered by it as other people. I mean, I think that was just two people in a, I mean, it's hard also as a Malik shipper to watch Maria and Michael bang on the spot from 103, right? Like, that's such like an iconic Malik scene. Um, I mean, obviously they're together. Obviously that happens. I mean, obviously that was already kind of tainted for me in 206 anyway. Um, but that was a hard scene to watch just from that specific point of view. I'm not going to deny that they are very attractive together. Um, so like objectively, if I didn't, if I didn't know who they were and I just sort of was like watching, I'd be like, hell yeah, this is hot as hell. So, you know, good, good for them. They get to be happy and the Alex and Michael, Alex gets to be sad. So whatever. I, I honestly think the whole my Luca thing that surprised me was him inviting her on the, the road trip and just really getting our first interaction of the three after, um, before. And just seeing that, like, interaction, like, nothing happened. We're all good. Everybody's friendly. Everything's fine. And there's, like, this sheen of fakeness over it all. I felt like, like, I feel like there's, like, the sheen of... Um, pretending over all of the relationships between the three of them. That's what, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to see or if I'm projecting, but that's what I see and I saw in all the interactions except for the end of the episode between Michael and Alex. Every other interaction I felt like was really, really like fake and we're all playing nice. So speaking of Alex, there the scenes with him and Maria, it's it's just weird to me that they just have this weird friendship now and it, not to say that they haven't talked about it and we just haven't seen it because the show is notorious for telling us, not showing us, but it's just a very weird, their scenes come off as weird to me. And maybe that's just me reading into it as an Alex fan and a Malik shipper, but. Again, it's that it comes off as fake to me. It, like their friendship comes off as fake to me now. Because I, I don't know. It feels like two people acting like everything's fine. And I'm supposed to believe it. And I just don't. It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we went for so long without interaction that, and then when we finally did get reaction, you know, interaction, it was build up to the threesome. So it was like, they didn't speak from 109 to 205. Um... And then, of course, 206 happened. And so I haven't, I first of all, didn't get enough time to be emotionally invested in them as friends friends anyway like you didn't you you told me that they were friends and they were best friends you you showed me like four and a half seconds of them talking and then you did this huge thing in 206 and now you want me to just like listen to them chit chat like okay well it's not gonna it's not gonna work that way so let's talk about the death of mary bell and the revelation that maria is isabel's great great niece is that what she is Maria's grandmother is Isabel's sister. Maribel, we, 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 we had you for so little time. Um, we loved you so much. You were near and dear to our hearts. Um, and now I never want to read that fic again because now it's gross. But we, we had some good stuff there for a while, guys. Um, another, another queer female ship bites the dust. But now we have Camp Teco. There's no way they're related. Hopefully. Um... 
I did like their scenes together. I like that they're kind of still snippy with each other and very, you know, like they had to be separated. And I, I genuinely laughed at the end when Maria went to hold Isabel's hand and they were like, nope, this is weird. Like, we're going to, this is, this is a line. So they have, they have a, a fun chemistry, the way that they nitpick at each other. Right. Like, I, yeah, I mean, their dynamic is a great one, even if it's now like a familial platonic one. I mean, it's a great dynamic. Which, I mean, I hope it develops to the point where they they would comfort each other like that. I'd like them to get to that point. I don't want them to stay like this forever, but it felt natural. You know, if they had sat there and been like, oh, we're family, and, and held each other, like, it would have been weird. At the end of the episode, uh, we got Maria putting on the bracelet that Michael made for her with the flower, um, which I didn't hate. I mean, I like that Michael cares i mean it's sweet and um i like that she she seemed to kind of really listen to what he had to say you know as far as like you don't have to wear it but i made it in case you choose to like i did like that um and i'm glad i'm glad she put it on but now that we have this possibility that it's not an hereditary illness that's causing her issues um necessarily with the mind eraser drug um I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But I did like that scene. Well, I, the thing that I don't understand... Well, there's two things that Maria did this episode that I really don't understand is... So, she went around with her necklace to see if anybody knew the maker. And my first thought was, you started this episode doing a presentation and being this intelligent businesswoman, and yet you've never heard of Google. Like, look at the back of the necklace, Google what's on there. You're probably going to find what you need. But instead, you go to this trading post and, you know, and Alex finds out the word. So I was like, okay. And then the second thing is, you know, she went from wanting to thinking that this was a degenerative illness that was going to kill her and she would end up like her mother, but still wanting to pursue what her powers would be like, even though knowing this would make her end up like her mother. But then she finds out she's part alien and then decides, okay, enough, people have gone through so much for me to be here, which really technically hasn't changed since even you finding out you're alien. So you put on the bracelet. And to me, my thought is, I would you would think it would be the flip of that. Like, if I found out that I was, like, part alien, I'd be like, okay, let's do a 23andMe. Like, let's figure this out. Like, I want to know everything. I want to figure out my powers. I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and to her character, either. It, it Yeah. It just didn't make sense that you would find out you're part alien and then you would decide that you want to suppress everything. But you wouldn't want to suppress it when you when a degenerative disease. Also, the reaction to finding out they're related and that she's part alien was like, was it was such a weird moment. Like, I don't know. Like, there was almost like, there was like almost like no reaction or, or you know, or it was one of those they started the reaction, cut to commercial, and then we never saw any, anything else about it. And I'm like, does anybody go tell Liz? Is did anybody tell Liz that her best friend is part alien? No. To be to be fair, Liz didn't tell Maria about <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. And so her dad. Maybe telling Liz isn't on top of anyone's list. <laughs> That's a valid point. It's another alien secret between the best friends. So this is my issue with Maria, and I, and and Amanda knows because um, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, uh-huh. Is that when we first started watching this show? I didn't get Maria. I didn't like her, but I didn't dislike her. I just didn't get her. And the, the problem I'm having with her this season 
is the first season they told us who Maria is. She's this feisty, strong-willed, free spirit, I don't need no man woman, owns a bar, all about her friends and family. And this season has been repeatedly having her do the exact opposite of all of those things. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out, I guess the best way to put it is, as a fic writer, if I was ever to write a fic about a character, I need to know that character before I can write them in anything. I cannot figure Maria out. I think it's because they didn't really know what or who Maria was when this show started and throughout the entirety of season one. I mean, it's almost like, and I have no idea if this is how it happened, but it's almost like you got to the end of season one and Karina's like, oh shit, I didn't really give Maria a lot of time to, to grow, to change as a character. And now she's trying to, to, to reverse sort of ignoring Maria in season one and creating some characteristics for her in season two. But that's a lot of, there's a lot of shoving it in in season two that she didn't do in season one. And so I think it just feels rushed. And it's not even just rush. It's just like, this is who Maria is. And then they show us, okay, this is who she is now. But th- we have no reason to see why she would all of a sudden be okay with dating her, the love of her best friend's life. Or be okay with, you know, kind of manipulating that whole situation. And then, you know, yeah, all of her choices. And then it's like, oh, you know, you can't call me girlfriend. And then it. I, it, I just feel really like she weeble wobbles all over the place and I want to get a handle on her because all these people, you know, we hear all the time how wonderful Maria is, how much everybody loves Maria and all these things. And I'm just waiting to see it. I'm waiting to see that thing that, that is why everybody adores her. I'm not saying she's a bad character or any of those things. I just, I haven't seen anything that, that makes sense to me in that sense. As usual, we're going to end the episode um, talking about Malik's. Um, I liked the beginning of the scene where he comes and asks for the piece and and Michael tells him that it didn't fit. I feel like that ties back into that whole pieces want to be together line. Um, I think eventually it'll fit and it'll be a metaphor, you know, that it'd be beautiful. I like that we got confirmation that Alex is suspicious of Jesse, but... You have to be kidding me. <laughs> I don't trust him, Garen. I just, I'm asking you to trust me. When we were kids, you believed people were good. Despite humanity doing everything to prove you otherwise. And God, I loved you for it. But what was charming when we were 17, it's just, it's just stupid now. How do you not see that? <clears throat> You believe there's some good in your father? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. God forbid I have faith in people who don't give me a good reason to. That's not fair. No? No. Why is your hand covered? (laughs) You miss your injury because you want to hurt. Your anger made you feel safe. I will always hate my father for what he did to you, but I, I don't want to live in that tool shed for the rest of my life. I don't want to walk around thinking that people don't change that one day everyone's just gonna let me down because I'm not building a damn rocket ship in a hidden lair. There's one way for me off of this planet and I need to believe in a reason to stay. I get it, but Alex having any kind of faith in Jesse just makes me cringe a little. Like you want to think that your parents are 
are good at the end of the day. But after everything that he's seen Jesse do, that Jesse's done to him, it just it breaks my heart that Alex has any kind of faith in Jesse. Right. Because we know, I mean, we know that Jesse hasn't changed at all. But here's the thing. I think we're going to find out that, you know, Alex, that this is really Alex keeping the big secret of that he knows what Jesse's up to. Like, we're going to find out, like, right when you think that he's at his most vulnerable and, like, something's going to happen, that he's going to know exactly what his dad was up to the whole time. And he'll have not trusted him at all. Um, and, And, you know. Because he's so smart and such a badass. Like, I have a feeling something's up Alex's sleeve. I loved this the part of the scene when, in essence, Alex compares his father to Michael. And... No, and the... the no, and I, I mean, again, you have to look at it, for me, it's not in the sense that... I didn't look in the sense of, like, he's abusive or that kind of thing. To me, I saw it as... Um, especially since some things were alluded to this season about it was always believed that Alex was the one that walked away. And now it's starting to look a little bit like it was actually Michael in is the, you know, walked away before Alex left. I think they both walked away. I completely agree. And in my mind, the end of their relationship is between both of them. It's not one person's fault over the other, but um, I did like that. You know, Alex is like, that's who I am is having faith in people even when I'm not supposed to like this is who I am good bad whatever that's who I am so you can't tell me you used to love this thing about me and now it's pathetic well it's who he is um, but Alex isn't a, isn't dumb so I did I just I lo- really liked that scene when he said that and when Michael said like that's not fair and he was like really well I don't want to live in that shed forever which is fair, and that's not what I'm, you know, I'm going to say something, um, but here's the reason I didn't like it about the calling out, calling him out about his hand, because that's wonderful that Alex is at that part, part where he doesn't want to live in the tool shed forever. That's awesome. Like, he's really moving past it. You cannot force someone else to be in the same journey you are on, on forgiveness or forgetting something. Like, you can't judge or shame someone because they aren't where you are so michael's covering up his hand first of all because people would ask a fuck ton of questions if and he's said that in season one or some whatever he was saying that like i didn't want anyone to heal it first because people would ask a lot of questions and then also because it's i keep it as a reminder alex is not wrong but i don't love the calling him out on it like you want it back because you want to feel that anger. It feels like he's telling Michael where he should be in terms of... But Michael's been doing that to Alex this entire well, season. make it right or wrong. I'm just saying, like... I, I completely agree with you, and I think you're completely correct. And I think, for me, that was what I liked about it, is I felt like, for once, Alex was saying it back. Not that either of them are right in doing that, um, but it was kind of like fighting fire with fire a little bit. Any, any comparison any comparison between Jesse and Michael is going to make me feel a little prickly um, because Michael Michael has gotten Michael's gotten no closure with Jesse he's gotten no closure over the forced healing of his hand we've got none of that and so any sort of ooh, like that in 205 where Maria and Alex sort of made the connection between Alex's abuse and then Michael like 
it's shit like that that I don't think is fair and I don't think it's accurate and I think it's greatly reducing, you know, Michael's trauma and then being a teenager and then, you know, going through all of that and then being where he is as an adult with someone who, like Jesse, who went and purposefully abused a child. Like, those are, like, any sort of comparison between that is going to, is not going to sit well with me. So I get what they were trying to do and I, I totally, totally understand but I think that that was a little iffy for me. But I, I think a little, it's just going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. But I felt like it was one of the first real moments, real conversations that they've had. Not a healthy conversation by any means, but an actual real conversation. But I think they said some things that needed to be said. Oh, yeah. I mean, another conversation where they say loved in the past tense and then someone leaves. Yes, the meat of it was there was some things that needed to be said, but it was the same formula. You know, I, and I and I don't mean to sound like a bitter Betty about it, but it is the it is the, here's the formula. One of them shows up dramatically to talk to the other. They have this like weirdly emotional talk about their history. They connect emotionally. They talk about how much they loved one another. One storms off. How is that's every episode this season that we've had of scenes of them. It's every you could you could literally fit it in every scene. So maybe we're done. Maybe it's over. Like maybe let's find something else. Well, and maybe maybe what happened to Alex can be a turning point in maybe and break this kind of cycle that they're in. I mean, seeing what we saw from the promo where Michael kind of loses it, you know, it this could be where it's like, okay, now we're going to move on from this, you know. I want any other kind of Malik scene other than other, you know. What's so funny is season one, season one, our complaint was in every episode or every podcast episode about Malix was they didn't have enough scenes together and now in season two I'm like they've had a fuck ton of scenes but make it different okay give us content but make it different and maybe it's just me looking at the scene a little too closely but when I watched it the second time it seemed like the console reacted more to Alex than it did to Michael it did it did please don't make fucking don't make Alex an alien I <laughs> know he's not all right okay so at the end of the episode, we got uh, two really interesting scenes and we already talked about one of them with Max. So let's talk about Alex getting kidnapped. The fan theories came true and uh, it was hard for me to watch Alex get hit over the head, but I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. I'm ready for Farrell Michael to lose it. Um, Lauren wrote that fic for you and she wrote a second part today. I don't know if you've read it. Is so good. And there's there's a brief moment where Maria watches Michael kind of lose it. And she just is like, I can't compete with this. And kind of walks, washes her hands of the situation. And I, just, I want it so bad. That's, yeah, that's all I want. I want, I want the petty part of me wants it. If you're going to give me a love triangle, then give me a love triangle. See Maria, see Michael freak out. Make there some real tension. If you're if you're gonna force feed this fucking love triangle to me, then make you know let's make it interesting. I don't know you know all of this stuff with with Alex getting kidnapped. I don't know Deep Sky is confused. Everything's a little bit confusing, which is the point, right? We're not supposed to really know yet. Um, I'm fairly convinced that Forrest is Deep Sky. The question really remaining is whether or not Deep Sky is actually a bad thing or a good thing because any information from Jesse is a little sus- suspect. Um, so, and we learned about Deep Sky from Jesse. So, it does, you know, the, 
we're just sort of assuming the deep sky is this evil, terrible thing. Well, I mean, look who's the one that gave us that information. Hmm. I would love it if deep sky was not bad. If they were, they could be allies um, of the pod squad. I would love it. Right. So, I'm, I mean, that's a possibility. I don't think I, again, I, I don't think whoever hit Alex or kidnapped Alex is anyone that we've met before. But that could be very much them using a stand-in actor so we couldn't guess. Because, I mean, if it was Forrest, they couldn't use someone with blue hair like that, obviously. Um, so that could be a possibility. But it doesn't look like anyone that we've seen before. Possibly Flint, maybe. Which, I mean, we probably won't find out next week since Alex isn't in the episode. No. Um, um, I'm guessing 12. Probably, yeah, 12. And Please, I love the fan theories that it's Max. I mean, it's not. I, You know what? I like that theory, too. Um. It's not like from the at least the actor, like the person who actually did it in the frame. They also don't expect they still haven't learned yet that we gif everything and we slow it down and we, you know, so that doesn't really matter so much. But like people are like full on obsessed that it's Max. I I could buy it. I mean, I mean, if he's evil, Max, you know, and not not the Max that, you know, I don't know. He could. Okay, that was our recap of episode 10. Uh, We will be back in two weeks with our recap of episode 11. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Shauna, for for coming on with us today. And we hope to have Mick back next time. Uh, In the meantime, you can catch us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Queer Alien Blast. And don't forget to check out notthatcomplicated.net. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. (laughs) 